Welcome to the Bad Podcast. The podcast about three Asian dudes from the Bay. Who only want one thing. Real, Real talk. talk. Welcome back to the Bad Podcast. It's season two, episode one, and we're actually doing this one live in we person. Back. Maybe back. because COVID's over. COVID's not over. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting there. Well, at least in California, the mass restrictions are gone, so I guess it's kind of over. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Well, in our in, in our season two, episode one start, I wanted to talk in today's episode about something something serious. Sorry to kick it off so serious, but I need to talk about it. I want to talk about our experiences, thoughts, and stories around Asian masculinity, both in being stripped of masculinity in the media, as well as some of the toxic masculine traits that also exist in the Asian community. Before we kick this off, I want to acknowledge that the stereotypes of Asian women in media too, hypersexualized, passive, and exotic. And as we are painfully reminded recently with the mass shootings in Atlanta, I want to say that this too is not only not true of our Asian aunties, mothers, and sisters, but is also a toxic trait and is generally fucked up. We need to change that narrative as much as we want to change the narrative around Asian men. Since we have zero qualifications to talk about the impact of the stereotypes on the Asian women, as we are not women, but I wanted to start this episode off with your experiences around Asian masculinity. You guys ready for it? Yep. Ready. Sick. All right. So there's a little bit of a preamble, at least to the question of the day, but there's a long history of emasculating Asian men in media. Everything from older references like Long Duck Dong from 16 Candles to Harold from Harold and Kumar. Did you ever feel like how Asian men were portrayed in the media affected how you view yourself? So I never particularly saw Asian roles in movies as demasculinating. Mm. But I will say that like some of the movies that I grew up with, right, like The Terminator mm. or um, Indiana Jones were white men with really large, big builds, right. right? And so while the role of Asian men didn't particularly affect me, I would say that the glorification of mm. like really built white men mm. kind of made me have a negative view on my self-image. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I kind of echo what Daniel was saying. Like, I, I, like I didn't really see it, or I did, it didn't really like, internalize it to me when, as, when I was younger. Right. But, you know, I... What I did notice was the Asian character was never really, like, the main character. And right. I don't know if that was just, like, a, a thing of, like, the times or just what what was standard back then. Or right. Not standard, but, you know, yeah, like, yeah. what was, like, what you would usually see in a movie. But, you know, even at that time, even at that, like, most of, like, the Asian characters, you know, for example, Indiana Jones, you yeah. have Sh- Short Round, yeah. right, who's like... Dr. Jones. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's kind of like, he had that, even though he was a sub-character, it was just like, he, he was the inventor, or right. like, what is it, like... In the Goonies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Goonies. Yeah, the same guy, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, they have like that nerd role, mm-hmm. um, which... I don't know. I mean, I'm, I guess it's more of like a stereotype, but I don't know if that falls into like the whole. No, I, I get it. It's like very niche. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's like, like not, you, you play like the nerd, the engineer, right. like the computer guy. Yeah, like, yeah. You're never like the like oh I'm the buff guy. Yeah, you're never in. the cool guy. Or yeah, the buff guy or the guy that gets the girl kind yeah. of thing. You know. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so I, it's I, for me at least it's kind of the same thing, right? I think, and for me because I grew up mostly around white people too, I saw them as like the main character, right? I was literally the token Asian guy who was yeah. like the nerd that was in like the group. I was the guy who watched <laughs> anime, even though Dragon Ball Z and. You know, shit like that. So it's, it's it definitely was uh, impactful on me because I saw it around me too. I think maybe I wonder if it's less for you guys because you just like again you weren't yeah. necessarily surrounded by a bunch of white people. But I don't know. Yeah, I would say it's probably I don't know. I can't really speak for Daniel, but you know, like from middle school to high school, yeah, 
it was predominantly well i don't think no, it was predominantly asian mm-hmm. it felt predominantly but it, yeah it felt predominantly asian right like there was i mean you know with the class of like a thousand kids yeah you know like you're probably gonna end up hanging with like Asian kids, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, you know, the people that I hung out with on, like, a day-to-day basis was, like, mostly Asian. Gotcha. And so, I guess, uh, it's interesting to me, right, because we're talking about media here a little bit, but, you, you know, I, I think that when you're younger, you have certain things that influence kind of how you dress uh, or affect the way that you want to, you know, style your hair or, you know, have your own style in general. And so, I'm curious, like, do you think media, like, mainstream media, like movies and stuff like that, that you saw mainly characters that were mostly white affected the way that you dressed or how you styled yourself or did you I guess more go off other media channels like anime or something like that else to like that influenced your style I know we talked about fashion in a previous episode but I'm curious as to like if that affected your the way you dressed or what you styled yourself at all I didn't really well I mean well at least growing up like mm-hmm. I didn't really have like too much choice in like the hairstyles <laughs> or, or maybe maybe in like high school I, I guess I did but at the, at the same time it was just like oh, I'm just gonna get whatever man yeah, like, right, right. I think for me at least it was like because like my family was like such a huge thing, I kind of always just copied whatever haircuts like my brother and my cousins oh, yeah. ended up getting. Fair enough. Just because like I know they never really look because like, I don't really look good in like a buzz cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much same. <laughs> yeah, as more heavily influenced, I would say by the trends at school, mm-hmm. less by pop culture and media and TRL and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> yeah. I, I will say that. Um, like James Bond definitely made me like once I was kind of coming into my teens, yeah, late yeah. teens, whatever. James Bond definitely made me want to like step up my game in terms of like how like I dress. Yeah, well, like just <laughs> formality, right? yeah, yeah, you know, and kind of thing. But um, yeah, I would say that's kind of the big, the big one for me. <laughs> that's that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to say. Like, I think the popular culture, at least for me, it shifted a lot because when I was living in Korea, at least it was mostly like K-pop stars, early K-pop stars, right? So like long bleached hair and just like real emo, I guess. And then when I came back to the U.S., it was very much just like, again, I grew up in a white neighborhood. So there was a lot of like skater culture, like Tony Hawk, Bam Margera, like that kind of stuff. So it was like long hair and um, like grungy clothes. But um, I wouldn't say it necessarily affected the way that I dressed. Same thing, like I just bought my clothes from Target. So it's yeah. not like I had that much choice in like what I look like. Which, by the way, real quick, kind of an aside, but like, do you feel like high school kids these days have just like much better style than we did? I think it's more available. Oh, maybe yeah. that's what it is. Because, yeah. like, like, okay, you know, like, people are, like, posting on TikTok and stuff, and they're, like, 15 years old and whatever, and they're just, like, doing their dance thing or whatever. And then, like, you look at fo- I look at photos of myself when I was, like, 15, and I'm like, bro, I do not look like that <laughs> whatsoever. Like, I did not look that put together. I could see it being, like, half, like, the generation, you know, the, ge- the generation before. It was, like, our parents' yeah, yeah, generation yeah. wasn't really about, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was about fashion, but mm. at the same time, like, as, Survival. We, were, yeah, yeah. as we were getting older... Um, and then like, you know, the parents who are like around our age, right. Like, I mean, like if they are more about like fashion or, you uh-huh. know, like I, you know, even like, like one of my family members is really into Adidas, mm-hmm. you know, kids out their kids and like, Oh uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Um, but I mean, it's kind of like that where it's like fashion sense has kind of like grew with like the generations yeah. and the generation that is like us as parents. Well, I'm not a parent, <laughs> but like, you know, they they understand like the value um, mm-hmm. of like having good fashion sense. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I yeah. will add something too, which is I think the internet has probably played a big role. Oh yeah. In terms of right, like when I remember when I was a kid or at least younger, getting new clothes meant like me and my mom going to the mall and kind of like looking around to see if you could find deals. Yeah. Find like what they have. <laughs> right. Uh, if it's in your size, right. you know, if it's on sale, whatever else. 
These days, a kid can do all of that on their own right. from their phone right. and, you know, find like a ton of competitors right. at like the low, low price of right. whatever at 99. Right. And so I think, you know, as a parent these days, you'd be much more inclined to be like, oh, a pair of jeans for, you found it for $10? Of yeah. course, I'll, I'll buy two uh, of them for you. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Whereas back then, you know, if you're stuck at one target because there's, there's traffic or whatever else getting to the other stores, you're yeah. like, well... This one's too expensive. I can't get it for you. Yeah. You, you, you know, we kind of just had to live with what we oh, had at the point. time. Um, but mm. now I think with the availability of the internet, kids just have more, 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 at their, yeah, yeah. more at their no, disposal. Good point. Good point. Uh, cool. Before we derail this conversation too much, I want to get back to Asian masculinity. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. All right. First episode back. First oh. episode off. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, mates. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Getting into it. Uh, so thanks for the question of the day and your answers on kind of how the media affected you guys in terms of view. But I'm curious, there's self-view on one hand and then there's how it affects others' view on Asian men. I've personally heard the phrase like, oh, you're pretty good looking for an Asian guy. And so I'm curious to hear any stories you guys have around any experiences where you felt like you weren't attractive or wanted uh, and how it might have maybe affected your dating life. Well, no one's ever told me that I'm... Attractive for an Asian guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know that feeling, to be honest. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a compliment, but yeah, anyway, continue. It might be different because, like, you know, growing up with, like, predominantly Asian, mm-hmm. even, even like, the neighborhood that I was, like, living in was, like, predominantly Asian. So, right. like, yeah, I, I don't know if I can actually... Okay, let me ask you this. Have you, ever, have you ever dated a white girl or tried to, date, uh, try to ask a white girl out? Not officially well i don't know if I, <laughs> not not really okay in my mind for sure yeah okay fair enough fair enough and growing up like i said you probably had like a bigger dating pool like when i when i was in marin at least there was like literally two three other asian girls and like i asked all of them out and they all said no so then my only choices were white girls right? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, i asked the white girls out and the same kind of just kind of the same response like oh like i don't, I don't really like asian guys or like Oh, I'm not really into like Asian dudes or like oh like you know I'm, I don't I only date white guys whatever it was it was always some excuse. Yeah, um, I think something kind of, that might help me at least is like at least from your perspective like defining what Asian masculinity is. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the toxic piece later. I guess right. so. For this first section, what I wanted really to cover was with that's no, all good. No, with the Asian masculinity in this first part, I wanted to just talk about like the portrayal or even the lack of. Um, Asian like masculineness oh, uh, anywhere right whether it's in media or, or um, TV sh- like media is part of that TV mm-hmm. shows and stuff like that but even in our society and again it may be something that you guys have not experienced whatsoever because again yeah. you grew up mostly around Asian people so maybe that wasn't as prevalent but like you know the media portrays the hot guy as like super wide like buff like big dude who's typically white tall guy kind of thing right um, and you know Asians aren't necessarily always built that way. I don't think like, yeah. and so there's also some of that as well on top of all the all the media stuff. I mean, I guess in terms of like when I was in high school, they yeah. didn't really have those people that were like, you know, the Asian people didn't really fit that mold. Uh-huh. But at the same time, the, there were definitely like those Asian kids that were like pretty gangster, and yeah. it's like those were the people that like a lot of these girls would like kind of gravitate towards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're not really like your typical like oh I'm hella buff you know but, the, but that's the thing right so I feel like if you look at media like the the, the hot guy the cool guys like the quarterback like the buff you know, you know what I mean or like the yeah. okay, basketball yeah. star kind of thing like right I mean versus like the cool Asians were like the gangster yeah. ones like it was the ones that dr- drove like lowered Integras <laughs> yeah. with like you know spiky hair and like smoked cigarettes yeah. in, in high school you know what I mean and so it's interesting how like what's viewed as like masculine or, or like uh, yeah, I guess masculine yeah. as an Asian guy in high school is very different than I think the sort of stereotypical 
uh, guy in, in uh, for like maybe a white guy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever, Daniel, have you ever had any experiences like trying to date a white girl? Or, am I the only one who asked a white girl out ever? Is that what we're, what we're discovering here? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, okay, so, so I have two stories here that uh-huh. I want to speak to you in my experience. The first one was that like I definitely had a big crush on a white girl in middle school. She was taller than me and we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> the, the second one with regards to like the story you were talking about earlier in terms of like, oh, you're like pretty good looking for an Asian kind of thing yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever. At least the only thing perhaps that I felt like remotely close to that was like when we're in Vegas uh, and there's like very built or like, oh, yeah, good point. you know, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. very like good looking, like white people. It doesn't even have to be white, but just like uh, white or like of any other cultures that are just like a lot, you know, their genes are just a lot bigger or a lot taller or kind of thing. And mm. it's just like, why would you talk to someone like me who's like Asian, um, you know, skinny, lightweight, whatever kind of thing. And so I guess I never really put a finger on like how that felt or why things felt that way. But I definitely felt more just like I'm not very masculine or not. I'm not masculine oh, actually, enough. Uh, for yeah, that's actually a really good point. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I actually, now that you point that out, I actually can see that in, like, in the or in like the environment of like Vegas. Um, and I guess I can kind of see that, but I don't know if I was like, at the time I was like in the mindset of like, yeah, I'm going to try to get some girls, but you know, like when I was in college, you know, I was on the rugby team and mm-hmm. obviously, you know, like there weren't like a lot of Asian people in rugby. Right. And at that, you know, like I'm like definitely like one of the smaller people on the rugby team. Right. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know if I was like in that mindset mm-hmm. of like, like, oh yeah, you know, am I masculine enough to like approach these girls? Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I can kind of see, like, the side of, like, not being masculine yeah. enough in front of, like, other men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, you know, a lot of these men were, like, really manly men. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just like, yeah, what's up, guys? You know, I'm like, I'm Doug. Yeah, so, you know? So, it's, but, yeah, that, it definitely, yeah, I hear you on that. What's interesting about this is that, like, so this is stuff that I felt my entire life. And I think it's because I grew up around, like, white yeah. kids, right? That's right. why I think when you go to Vegas, there's a much more, like, mix, right? It's yeah. not predominantly Asian. Right. Unless you're going to, like, Tao, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, and honestly, like, whenever we, like, go to a club, it's always going to be mixed, right? Like, yeah. you see, like, just all kinds of different people. And so, uh, to your point, I think, kind of, Daniel, at least, it feels sometimes like we're there and, like, we're, like, kids, like, trying to, you know, I mean, we're not kids, but, like, it feels like we're, like, oh, kids yeah. getting a table kind of thing uh, versus, like, these, like, men who are doing it. And then the same with the rugby thing, like, you know, I tried out for the basketball team in high school and I pretty much just, like, well, first of all, I sucked, so <laughs> that's why I didn't get on. But it also was, like, one of those things where I just felt like I couldn't compete, right? I mean, with just, like, the other guys who had, were, frankly, like, 6'5", six, 6'3". Six, um, I was like 5'10", 5'9", at the time, and just like scrawny. So yeah, yeah I definitely feel in the sports thing too. So thanks guys for sharing your stories specifically around like how others' view of masculinity has affected yourself, uh, yourself view, or just the kind of times you felt like where Asian, Asian men or us specifically didn't feel masculine. But I did want to talk about this kind of shift we're seeing in the media right now. We're seeing this shift in present day where Asian men are portrayed more positively. Think of like Henry Golding, Crazy, Crazy Rich Asians. We have our own Asian superhero, Shang-Chi, with Simu Liu. Uh, even BTS, right, has kind of blown up in their own way. But they're not like big, like buff dudes either. They're like kind of their own like K-pop sort of masculine, if you will, in their own way. Um, and so I'm curious as to like, do you feel like this representation in the U.S. media now has helped to shift your self-view or your, or your change in like kind of how you view yourself? Or is it like too late? Or do you kind of see yourselves the way you already see yourselves? see myself as a crazy rich Asian. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think for me, at least, it's like, it's a bit of like a double-edged sword, right? 
like for example like the crazy rich Asians right yeah I mean I know that there's like a lot of like crazy rich Asians uh-huh, uh-huh. right but at the same time like did that like push like the narrative that like oh you know if you're Asian obviously you, you, you might not be like ultra rich right. but like are you rich because like of like whatever field you are in mm. um, you know I think that's something that I kind of think about because like obviously like no, but you know Asian people are just like any other like ethnicity right I, I mean I don't really like I, don't, I haven't really like struggled with my image in terms of that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just more of like do people oh, obviously no one's gonna think I'm like crazy rich Asian but you know like <laughs> they might <laughs> but yeah yeah I'm just like I'm more I guess wary of like do these create different stereotypes of like Asian people mm. I mean mm. part of me doesn't think so but then a part of me is just like it's kind of there yeah I get it it's kind of like right when um, when Bruce Lee got really famous everybody kind of thought that yeah. all Chinese or you know all Asian people do Kung Fu oh, or yeah, do right. Karate and then you say like Crazy Rich Asians comes out and now you're kind of worried about like oh well everyone's gonna think that we're all Crazy Rich Asians kind of thing mm, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I get what you mean. I mean, I'm hoping, I guess what I'm hopeful for is that there's more stories to tell. Like, Crazy Rich Asians is just like one part of it, right? There's, like, really rich, like, Asians in, like, Singapore and, like, that whole story. The yeah. whole, like, uh, for me, Minari was, like, a really good example of, like, an immigrant family to move to the U.S. to try and, like, make it. That was more of, like, an, I could feel like maybe an independent film, not, like, yeah. a blockbuster. But I'm hoping as we start to see, like, more mainstream stories or movies around Asian stories that we'll start to get, like, a wider breadth. Like, for example, you don't think, like, all white people are, are like James Bond just because there's James Bond, mm-hmm. right? Because there's yeah, so yeah, many yeah. different stories to tell. Yeah, yeah. And they've started in everything from dramas to comedies to et cetera and all shapes and sizes, right? Yeah. Like you don't have to be a really fit guy to be in Hollywood. You could be a funny guy. You could be yeah. like a Jack Black, right? And so I'm hoping that with Asians too, like we're starting to see like it's not just the, the Asian superhero in Shang-Chi. It's not just like the rich, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, crazy rich Asian. I kind of see what you're saying. Like that is, yeah. as, as there's more stories to tell and as Asians become less of like just the nerdy side characters that we talked yes. about at the beginning, but just like a friend. Like it just yeah. doesn't have to be like the nerdy friend, right. right? It could just be like the guy that they hang out with. It was just their best friend. It just happens to be Asian, right. but like it's not like a stereotype per se. So maybe that'll help like to your point of like not necessarily creating new stereotypes, but just become normal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I'm like pretty hopeful for though. Like, yeah. I mean, like obviously I think that has to have like, you know, you got to tell the stories and I guess, you know, like there are going to be like those hurdles. Right. Last okay, last follow-up before I get to our bad break. I want to ask, like, you know, for us, I th- we talked a little bit about, like, the different people we saw in media as we grew up, but, like, with Netflix and, like, you know, all these, like, new channels that are creating new stories around Asians and things like that. Do you think the generation after us will have a much better time with this or at least struggle less with their image just because, again, for guys like us, we've had to struggle with it because it was, like, we saw more stereotypes, but as there are more stories, do you think, like, our kids, for example, won't have the same conversation? I'm on, I'm on, like, the side of, like, Maybe not of the subject that we're talking about, mm-hmm. but I think as like you know, the thing about like the rise of Instagram, or you know, like rewind that, right? right. Like think about those magazines, right? right? Like, oh yeah, and yeah. then you know, like that caused like a lot of people to kind of have like a lot of self-image um, issues. issues. Yeah, and I think you take that, you put it into Instagram, uh, and then or like you know, just like social media in general, right? right. Or, or whatever is like the next big thing, and that just perpetuates and makes it even harder because like now you're not waiting like a week to get the next magazine like your Mm. feed from like TikTok TikTok to Instagram is like filled with good looking people and then you know you yourself like then you kind of struggle with that so I don't know if interesting like the generations after us will struggle with like Asian 
identity or mm-hmm. feeling like they're good looking. Yeah. But I do believe that the generations after us are definitely going to suffer from like body image issues. Right. Um, yeah. it's, it's almost worse, right? Because it's like when you, when you see a celebrity, you're like, oh, they're a celebrity, right? Yeah. So like they like, you know, they're, they're posed that way, they're photoshopped or whatever. But yeah. then when you go on TikTok, Instagram, it's just like people yeah. your own age, right? Yeah. Like a literally, oh, I, I kind of, I get where you're going with that. Yeah. Where it's almost like these people are the same age as me and they're already like this famous or this good looking or this, you know, stylish, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it's almost, it's almost worse, right? Because it's like, oh, like these people have the same like or came from the same sort of like you yeah. know, place as me and they're already way ahead kind of yeah. thing oh yeah fair enough uh, alright cool well thanks guys for sharing your thoughts on like Asian masculinity in the media and how it's affected you guys specifically uh, we're gonna hop into the second section around toxic masculinity or especially specifically in the Asian community uh, before we do that we're gonna get to our bad break alright so Today's bad break, uh, it's gonna start with a question, but I wanna ask, do you guys know who the first Asian male was in Hollywood? First Asian male in Hollywood. Yeah, I guess, well, I, guess I, I, should, I should say, huh? Bruce Lee. No, no, no I, should say, I should say like successful Asian male, but uh, no, it was not Bruce Lee, it was actually- I thought Bruce Lee was successful. Oh, he, he, went, he was successful, I mean like, who was the first successful Asian male in Hollywood? And that's, oh. that's who paved the way for all of us. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. Exactly, okay. Well, his name is a Japanese guy named Sesue Hayat, Hayakawa, I hope I said that right. The Sesue Hayakawa. His breakout film was actually The Cheat. It was actually a silent film in 1915. And afterwards, he was regularly typecast as The Forbidden Lover. Which I think is hilarious. But interestingly enough, and this is actually, this was made interesting, because we've talked about like how Asians are stereotyped as like nerdy, but actually he was stereotyped as the broodingly handsome, good-looking man who was a sex symbol to a, American white women as the sexually dominant villain. I love it. Same, <laughs> dude. Wow, yeah. that's kind of eye-opening. What's actually nuts about this too is that back in, like, his, his, he came out in 1915. He actually was able, went on to own his own production company as an Asian man from 1918 to 1920, earning over $2 million oh in the 1910s. God. Oh my God. Yeah. It's actually pretty nuts. He's like a trillionaire now. Yeah, but uh, what's crazy about that is that he's actually the first, he's the first and still only Asian male to own his, ever, his own production company in the United States. To this day? To this day. To, 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 to 20, 21. So over 100 years later, he's still the first one. So hopefully Shit. someone can break that barrier at some point. Uh, I think what's crazy about this too is, I mean, he kind of had a complicated history with the U.S. There's like Asian, anti-Japanese like sentiment and stuff like that that went on. But it all kind of come, came to a peak, at least for him, when he earned an actual nomination. He didn't win. But a nomination for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor as Colonel Saito in the movie The Bridge on the River Kwai, which was released in 1957. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah, Asian sex symbols went back to 1915. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out Sesue Hayakawa for uh, being the first sexy Asian male. Amen. Just so you know, $100 in 1915 is equivalent to like $2,500. $2, oh shit. No. Damn. He must have been living the good life. Yeah, definitely. He had that GME money. <laughs> <laughs> that, that AMC money. <laughs> All right. It was actually... What he would have now is $53 million. Woo! Good stuff, man. Or like, what, you know, what, whatever it's equivalent to. I mean, unless he invested in Bitcoin earlier, then he'd be fine. <laughs> uh, we're back from the bad break. And in part two of this episode, I want to talk about toxic masculinity and specifically as Asian men. So before we have to get into this, I have to define toxic masculinity for our listeners. And I'm going to use the definition from Cambridge.org. 
It's the idea is the way that men should behave that are seen as harmful. For example, the idea that men should not cry or admit weakness. Other examples are not conveying emotion, being homophobic, and wanting to be the alpha or dominant one in a relationship. So that's the end of the definition. The reason why I believe we don't talk about this a lot is because the media already portrays Asian men as not masculine. So how could we be overly masculine? But I feel like I do see this in our communities and I want to talk about it. You see this with memes in groups like subtle Asian traits, such as the Asian fuckboy. So with that in mind, I know that's a lot of setup, but the question I wanted to ask you guys is, do you feel like there are toxic masculine traits that are exacerbated by Asian culture or that you see in the Asian community? And do you, if you have any, can you, can you share any stories? Actually, before we get into that, I was wondering if you could uh, explain to me what the Asian fuckboy is. Oh boy, how do I have You got permed here. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually don't know. I'm not area that's like uh, cross. It's, it's usually like the, I mean, it's like definitely have like, all right, wearing like a gold chain, uh, probably has a comb over or like pompadour haircut. Which, and then like usually like Yeezys, probably vapes, um, drives like, I guess we're now like not Integra's anymore. That's like when we were in high school. He's got Tesla. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's got like a Beamer or right. Mercedes, like hella tinted out. He plays nothing but hip hop. He probably says the n-word a lot okay gotcha. like gotcha yeah so that that's yeah i guess let's, let's go with that gotcha. definition uh, i'll send you a post from some asian traces okay. like you know like you know those like like uh like fuck boy starter kit kind of thing right it's like right that. it's like, like the that. supreme louis vuitton exactly exactly oh, yeah. exactly yeah yeah that's that's, that's gotcha what I'm gotcha okay, um, i'm clear now maybe just to like again just a level set i'll give an example on some of the stories that i've seen and maybe that'll help kind of get the conversation going so for myself, I think this is really interesting. We've talked the whole first part of the episode about how Asians aren't masculine. So this whole idea of toxic masculinity where you're like, quote unquote, overly masculine almost seems like foreign. And I think if you're not in the Asian community, you don't see this as much. But one thing I, I definitely noticed and have seen in the Asian community, especially the Asian male community, is guys that, I'll give you one example, right? I definitely seen guys who feel like, you know, they feel like their, their women should cater to them all the time. That like they grew up knowing that like, are they wanting like a, a partner who like cooks and cleans for them and like caters to their every need and like doesn't ask questions and, th and things like that? Because in the Asian community, I guess you'd say like th through field of piety or whatever you want to call it, that Asian like people want or Asian couples want wanted like sons to carry on the family name, right? So a lot of times like boys get treated better than girls. And so with that in mind, again, this is an overgeneralization. But what I've seen is certain guys that talk about women like that. They're just like, oh, like. I'm the one who's going to make money. I want my girl to work. I want her to like cook the like cook for me, clean for me, like take care of me. And so, I mean, that's that's pretty insane to me because I would never think of my partner that way. I mean, my partner isn't that way. Um, and so, um, it's just it's to me. I think that's really interesting. I've seen a lot of that in the community, but and I feel like a lot of that drives from just like the Asian culture of like revering sons. Yeah, I mean, my first question is, what was that word that you said? Feel piety. Feel filial piety. Yeah, that's like, oh, God. I'm going to have to look that up later. Yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah. Uh, I mean, all right, like, you know, to our listeners, we, we, we actually did talk about this because I, for one, was, like, really confused about, like, toxic masculinity. Oh, I'm not confused about toxic masculinity because um, I, I do see it in, you know, for a better good chunk of my life, I guess. I did kind of, like, I don't know. I, I admit I was probably, like, toxic and masculine or toxic masculine. Mm -hmm. But... I mean, in terms of like, but when you merge that with like the whole Asian, like toxic Asian masculinity, mm -hmm. that's where I was like very confused because like a lot of the things that you do, that you did talk about, and you did, that you did touch on, you know, I do believe that it kind of spanned across like all 
ethnicities right. all, you know, like I think that, you know, we can see that in like a lot of other, you know, I think it was just more of like a generational thing. Mm. But I think the one thing that did hit me was like when you said that Asian parents prefer boys to carry the name on. Right, right, right. Right. And I think that was something that I, you know, that, okay, I do kind of see that. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, like, I'm not, I am Asian, but I'm not, I haven't, like, experienced growing up in any other, like, ethnicities household. But that was something that I I did kind of see where, like, but I think that's, like, that kind of falls back onto, I feel like Asian people respect their elders a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think even that like stems further back into like generational where it's like, you know, back then you kind of have, you know, you, you send your daughter off to I don't know, the, the guy. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so I do understand that, but well, I don't know, actually, I don't know where I'm going with this, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's kind of hard. Like I, I do see it. Um, and I do s- but I don't know if that's just, like, one, like, a generational thing or two, like, an aspect of, you know, respecting your elders but also wanting to, like, give off, like, like the family name. And mm-hmm. I'm doing, like, family name in, like, quotation marks. Um, I don't know if that made sense. Kind of, yeah, I mean, kind of. And again, I mean, I mean, if you feel like I'm totally grasping the straws here, too, that, that's fine, too. I mean, I think that there are probably some people who and probably some of our listeners who think, like, I'm full of shit that, like... Toxic masculinity is toxic masculinity. There's nothing in the Asian culture specifically that like drives that or like exacerbates that. I personally think it does, but again, to your point, like I definitely hear what you're saying. Like the idea of like carrying on like the family name, it, like again, that's that's not just Asian. That's like ingrained even in the U.S. culture. That a lot of guys like the women take well, like the, the man's last name and stuff like that, right? So yeah. it's not necessarily Asian. I just I feel like there are things really ingrained in our culture that have helped push that along. But that, that's just my thoughts. So I mean, we can probably continue to explore that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I do believe like toxic masculinity still exists and I still think it's like still a thing Mm -hmm. and like kind of I think there's also toxic Asian traits Asian yeah toxic Asian traits that kind of like persist but that you know like because that's I don't know if that's like a cultural thing and then you know obviously with like toxic masculinity I don't know if that's just like masculine thing Mm. but you know in terms of like toxic Asian masculinity like I Besides that one point, like, I don't know if there's, like, anything else into it. This fair. First of all, I just want to say, like, I really appreciate that we're all just trying to hash this out right now. Yeah. Um, Because it is, like, a super gray area between, like, masculinity and Asian traits masculinity. What I can do is just try and speak to my own experience, I Mm -hmm. guess, and then just try and make conjecture out of that. I spoke earlier about how my experience, right, is feeling demasculinated because of... I guess, portrayal of either white men or just non-Asian men in media or pop culture where they're just like super built, super buff, super dominant. They always get the girl, right? Right. I think seeing that and kind of perhaps feeling demasculinated may make either me or some other Asian male, right, Mm -hmm. want to overcompensate, right? And so if I was like a super alpha male, but I'm still my kind of, you know, 125 pound... (laughs) Six foot, five foot, eleven. They are six foot. I saw you. You know, just small self, but I still need to feel like an alpha. Yeah. And I'm already feeling demasculinated because I'm not being portrayed well in the media. I could easily, easily see how an Asian male in my position would want to treat women badly to feel more 
masculine nature. Oh, okay, that's right? actually a good point. And so while I can't say for sure, I like you know again just conjecture. I could easily see how someone would want to do that. But then I, I guess like my question to you is like, you take you take that Asian male mm-hmm. and you put him to any other ethnicity, right? Wouldn't that just be like toxic masculinity? Insert, right? Yeah, to- toxic insert ethnicity. Yeah, ethnicity, ethnicity yeah. Masculinity. Yeah. I mean, even a white person who is just smaller, smaller build, right? Not super masculine could could easily feel the same way, right? Um, but I think perhaps what I was trying to get at is just that the image of Asians in media is already pretty bad. So that mm. overcompensation is how I could see, like that's the mechanism that I see that Asian males would want to become over masculine, become mm. more masculine and, and portrayed by women as like, I'm the alpha, I'm the dominant, I can say whatever I want, I can act whatever I want and yeah. you're gonna do what I say, yeah. right? While, while it is true, and I absolutely 100% see your point that the masculinity traits can apply to all ethnicities, all races, I think there is a, definitely a mechanism that I can see that applies more to Asian males. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I'll, I'll start a story of myself, for myself and kind of call myself out a little bit. Um, so I think the biggest trait, and actually I think I said this in our first episode of just like how I'm like a bad Asian, uh, being like toxic, <laughs> being like a toxic male. Specifically, I think when it comes to like my emotions. Um, so I think my whole life, my parents like didn't, like if I was upset, if I was angry or anything like that, my parents were like, just like, shut it down, like, don't express yourself, like, every, you have to be happy, you have to be happy, you have to be happy, um, and, like, we don't talk about problems or anything like that, so, with that in mind, like, that affected a lot of my relationships, uh, especially, like, my, like, my romantic relationships, uh, to the point where, like, you know, if I was, if I had an issue, if I had a problem, I wouldn't necessarily always vocalize how I was feeling, and instead would, again, calling myself out, would go seek attention elsewhere, um, because it was easier to try and be happy in a new situation than necessarily like try and um, like resolve the issues that were going on uh, in my immediate relationship. And I think a lot of that had to stem with just the fact that like literally my Asian parents were just like, if you feel upset or um, you know angry or whatever, like shut it down. Like, you know, you have to either portray yourself as like a good Asian boy or whatever it is. But um, at least that, that, I, 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 and that still affects me to this day. It's something that I'm, I've actually gone through therapy for. Yeah. I mean, all right, so my question to you. Yeah, hit me. Is like, okay. I mean, I, you know, I, I won't lie, you know, I struggle with that, with that too, but is that, I can see that in every single male. Right. I think that's just, a, you know, a male, not male trait, but like. No, I mean, it's, 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 it's yeah. not really discriminatory it's, specifically to age. Yeah, right, exactly. right. It's, it's like, it's like males in general, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely hear you on that. I, I think that there, I mean, to, to my original point, like. There's a lot of overlap, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like, toxic masculinity exists like no, no matter what race you are, for yeah. sure. But I feel like there are things that are ingrained in Asian culture specifically that exacerbate it. I guess if you will, like to your point, like in general, men are told like you know hide your feelings, like uh, you know don't med boys don't cry, like things like that's like generally like over like for anyone, any male. But I feel like specifically in Asian culture too, like there's just this idea of like not conveying your emotion. Um, in, in general, like I never talked to my parents about like how I suffered with depression and stuff through high school. I just like, I just kept yeah. it inside. Right. Whereas like I've had friends who were like, Oh, I've gone to therapy since I was like 13. Cause like my parents like signed me up for it. But like that shit, like at least didn't exist for me, uh, in, in Asian culture. Again, I think you're almost like splitting hairs, right? Yeah. So, like, I, I, I kind of get where you're coming from. Like there's no one specific Asian thing that makes us more toxic than like another culture. And maybe, maybe that's true. But I think that maybe are there more, more common things that show up uh, in Asian men that are toxic because of specific points in our culture. I know it's like, 
again, we're like, there's yeah, a lot yeah, of overlap. But. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I totally understand that point of view where, like, there is that overlap, right? Yeah. Um, at, the, at least for me, like, I, I, I guess I just don't really see, like, that, like, firm delineation, that line of, like, this, like, this is it. And I think, yeah. like, to anybody else, to, like, to our listeners, like, if you, if you know of it, like, you know, let us know, because, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe something that's impacting my life now, and I just, and I am oblivious. No, but I mean, I like what you said, though, like, most of these things, like, are, are most males in general. I just, yeah. I think that there are so, small, small things here and there that make it worse for Asian, for Asian men, but that's just me. So I don't want to keep exacerbating the matter. I guess uh, I'm going to try and bring it back to something in my own experience, like with our friends. And it, it's a little more on the fun topic, right? So tell me how you guys feel about facial hair. Because <laughs> facial, hair, <laughs> facial hair or just body hair in general is uh, like seen as typically pretty masculine. Right. You're, you're super built. you got a lot of this manly hair. I mean, it was in Beauty and the Beast, right? Gaston got... There, there's a scene where he just shows his manly hair, right? Yeah, and so. And so where I'm coming from with my experience, right, is like, I have the capability. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I have the capability to grow a mustache and a beard, right? But like a lot of our friends who are female and, and absolutely nothing against them. It's just uh, a comment I want to make uh, just for story's sake, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, are just like, oh, like you don't really look that very, you don't look very good with like facial hair. You should shave, shave it off, be clean kind mm. of thing. But then like in other cultures, maybe facial hair is seen as something very masculine. So mm. I kind of wanted to know like your experiences with, with that specific like growing facial hair, what it looks like, how it affects your view with like either Asian women or non-Asian women. Like has any non-Asian woman ever told you like, oh, you look great with facial hair? Uh, no, because I feel like I've, I've been told I look like I have like Fu Manchu. <laughs> well, first of all, <laughs> first of all, my shit doesn't connect, so I think that's my biggest issue. No, like, I think because you have a gap. I have a, well, I mean, like in multiple places, like both, like like my beard doesn't connect, uh, like which which is funny because like fuck you Facebook, but like uh, I get ads for like those like have you seen like like the rollers where like it's like oh yeah you roll this over like the, your like patches that doesn't connect and it'll, it'll like stimulate hair growth. I almost fucking bought that shit just to like have my beard connect. <laughs> and I was like, damn you marketing, like how do you know that my beard doesn't connect? <laughs> How do they know that? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, it's, it's funny that you said that because like as we are sitting around this microphone, Daniel shaved, Han shaved, not really shaved. No, because the beard. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to be like, to be frank, like I don't, all right, I'm just going to say like, I don't really care what other people think, you know? Like, yeah, sure. As long as I think, uh, as, I, as long as I think I look good, then whatever. Um, but I would say like, most of like the people in our friend groups do not like my facial hair, <laughs> but I like it. Yeah. Um, but like at the same time, it's like I know like like you know I, I kind of suffer from what Han suffers from. Like you know like my facial hair doesn't connect everywhere. I, I definitely don't have a Fu Manchu, but like I mean I could if I shaved in the middle. <laughs> but I think that like whoever you're with, your partner, you know. Okay, I guess it kind of matters in the first few months. <laughs> but then at the same time... <laughs> but then I... I oh, no, I... I okay. First no. date, maybe don't come with your whole thing? I don't know. No, no, come with <laughs> okay. Actually, like, scratch that. Like, I'm a firm believer that... I mean, I've definitely gone through periods where it's like... Yeah, even I know my facial hair was ugly. Like, I think, like, the first three months of quarantine, I, like, did not shave. Just to see how long my beard could grow. And, like, yeah, I, I know I was ugly. <laughs> and like yeah I shaved off my beard and kept my mustache and 
yeah, again, I was also still ugly. But at the same time, it was just like, I, like to me, I, like, I, I do see it in, in the sense of like Asian, you know, like it tends, I mean, I can't really speak for all Asian women, but it, it does, it, within our friend group, it does tend to skew towards like being like clean cut. Right. And then like, you know, having like that massive like hipster co- coffee shop beard, mm-hmm. um, like wouldn't really fly with like too many Asian women. Mm. But again, like, I don't know if that's just like how like, like the Asian body, like, like it just doesn't look good. Like yeah. even I, like I, I, I can see, like I can see it in like other men and you're like, oh yeah, that, that does look good. But sometimes when I see it in a man, it's just like, bro, you need to shave that. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. I, like I'm like you know like like they can have like you know like that scruff look the, yeah. you know like you know like a bit of a beard yeah just not like the you know six inches off the chin type of beard yeah yeah fair enough yeah and I know that there's some guys who definitely can grow like that full on beard um, maybe they bought the roller from Facebook but, uh, <laughs> just mascara man <laughs> that's what it's used for right it, yeah fair fair enough um, last thing I'll say on the eight like the toxic masculinity trait because I, I do want to get back to that real quick before we move on to the last question but. Like, I think maybe, like, one more example that I'll, I'll give um, is just, like, this is, the, this is kind of an interesting one. I don't know if it necessarily, like, is viewed as, like, toxic masculinity, but there's a lot of, like, appropriation of black culture in, in, in I think, in the Asian community. I know we talked about cultural appropriation in, in season one, but one of the things I want to call out here is that I feel like there's a lot of Asian guys who just use the N-word all the time, mm-hmm. right? And just, like, are, and, and they shouldn't, frankly, mm-hmm. right? And, and so I think there's a lot of that. Even ourselves, I, I mean, I'm not going to tell the story, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. three of us specifically have been called out. Uh, of, of saying it and again we've we've all changed since then and mm-hmm. I think it's it's been a really good learning experience but like why didn't we call each, call each other out right I mean like I know the three of us were saying it all the time but like I think there's a, a part two where like I think a lot of Asian guys don't again, speaking from my experience I was never called out on some of the toxic traits that I portrayed and I kind of not that I wish that I would have but to some degree like yeah I mean I wish that like I'd been called out so I could fix things I guess earlier like whether it was, I mean, you guys were there when I wasn't always like a, like a good person or if I would say the N-word or like do, like say toxic things. And so um, I think there's a little bit of like, not that we egg each other on a little bit, but like there's not a big culture, I would say, of at least in our community of like the guys calling each other out. Like there's a lot of fun conversations that we have, but I wouldn't say we call each other out a lot. Um, and that was something that I think that we need to do maybe more of, like keep each other in check. Um, and maybe that's just me, right? Where I've, I've tried to be more self-aware of like how I treat people and how I treat others and, and how I'm viewed. But um, just want to kind of get like get your thoughts on that or what your gut reaction is on that. I mean, all right, like to be frank, like as I, as I get older, which resulted in like just me being like a little bit more comfortable in like my own skin. Yeah. Like I, I have been like a little bit more receptive to like criticism right. and stuff like that. And like even now and like more so in like my professional career and stuff like that like I've been like you know like we take me back to like high school you know I used to be like very like not fragile but like Mm -hmm. a little bit more timid yeah Um, and I used to like take criticism like very hard but then you know as I kind of got older again you know more comfortable on my skin just like more comfortable in like who I am as a person I have been more receptive to like taking criticism and i do and i do agree you know like that like really good friends like do keep each other in check and do check your shit basically right and it's like but at the same time like i i'm also on the camp of like yeah my friends know a lot about me but they don't really know like the deep deep down like ultimately 
you know, like whatever they say, like, you know, like Han and Yim can like tell me like, Hey, you need to do X, Y, Z. Right. But ultimately it is my decision because like it, it is like my life. And yeah. I know that I know my life more than I know than they know my life. Right. Of course. So, yeah, I mean like, yeah, I do think that everyone should like keep each other more accountable on like, yeah. All right, so I have a couple of things that kind of like came to mind that were inspired by my conversations with other people about this podcast. So mm-hmm. I want to just say like, to our listeners, thank you for listening and responding because it's really giving us content too. With regards to keeping each other in check and like just males keeping each other in check, especially about, you know, like what, we, what you were alluding to earlier in terms of like, you know, a lot of Asian people, Asian males saying the N word a lot, <clears throat> stuff like that. Keeping each other in check is like, why would we do that? It's because that perpetuation of like Asians saying the n-word and things like that is actually hurting the relationship between black people and Asian people mm. right mm-hmm. there are some things that we just like I mean we've talked about in previous previous episodes there's some things we don't get right yeah. there's some things we yeah. aren't allowed to say and by perpetuating something like that right um, we're, we're hurting that relationship the last point I want to say is in terms of keeping each other in check um, especially with like males being overly alpha or overcompensating in terms of like being an alpha um, with each other is just like know when what you say is like hurting someone else right like the relationship between black people and asian people is very delicate and i want to talk about that in a future episode Mm. so i think that asians asian especially asian males perpetuating saying the n-word right is hurting that relationship Mm -hmm. so when we're talking about like keeping each other in check you know doing the right thing whatever else why are we doing the right thing? It's because it hurts someone else. And so I think just think critically about what you're saying and realize when, you know, why is it quite morally questionable? That's actually a really perfect parlay into the last question here, which is I want to ask you guys, I'm like, how can we be better? Like we've talked about in the beginning of the episode of like how we feel like emasculated or demasculated by the media. We've also talked in the second half of like there are toxic traits in just like as being males, but in, in my opinion, at least is, is some of them being exacerbated by being Asian though, you know, there, I know that there's some disagreements, but I want to know what you guys think we can do to build each other up and be better overall, both in, I guess, being more self-confident, feeling more masculine, but also not like crossing that line into toxic masculinity. My biggest thing is just like, it's going to come back to feelings again, <laughs> but like, Love talking about my feelings. But like Doug, something you said, you said earlier, like yeah, at the end of the day, like you know your life better than than I will ever will, right? And I'll never know yeah. the full context of your life. But I want to be there for you when like you're going through tough shit. Um, and like that, that's the thing, right? Like I, and and vice versa. Like if I'm going through tough shit, I want I, I want to be able to call you too. And I feel like that's not always prevalent. I'd say like with at least our community, I feel like we like to celebrate the good stuff, but we don't. We're not always super open about when things are tough like yeah like, like work sucks or like you yeah. know my girl's annoying what if she's like that but like really like oh i'm really struggling with this kind of thing and i think yeah. that that'll help to just like help each other understand where things are at and and to be there for each other and also just to like understand where things are coming from so are you saying we should get closer and share our feelings yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, should, we should we should share our feelings much more be, be sad or like us together yeah <laughs> no, 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 no i get that no, 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 I'll try to be better about that. But what else do you think we could do to, to help each other out to be better? Yeah, I guess. All right. When I was like thinking about like how to say this in my head, I was going to be like, all right, I got a two, two-step two action plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not that formal, actually. Uh, to be honest, I, I think it kind of 
it kind of comes into like two areas, right? I think that on one end, it's basically what we've been talking about, mm. right? Where it's like, as friends, you kind of, or like as close friends, you kind of want to call each other out, right? Maybe, like, obviously I'm not tr- trying to have you like, you know, like start something with like an acquaintance or something like that. Right. But, you know, if you're on that comfort level and then, you know, just being like, like, hey, Johan, like that wasn't cool, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, but I also think that, like, you know, like you can do that as much, but then like you kind of have to like take it on yourself as well and just being more open and accepting of yourself. And yeah. what I mean by that is like, you know, for example, right? Like, all right, yeah, like homophobia and stuff like that is just like, you know, you know like there's a lot of like, <clears throat> like straight men who are like, oh, I would never like, like judge like a guy based on his looks. But then for me, it's like, you know, I know I'm like, like heterosexual, but at the same time, it's like, I don't have like an issue being like, oh yeah, like that dude is actually like pretty good looking. You yeah. Know? Like, well, he's at least better looking than me. Yeah. Um, but it's like, do I mean that in like a sexual way? Like, like no. And I think yeah. that just comes down to like me being like comfortable and confident in like in myself and where I stand. Mm. Um, and I think that, that you know, like it kind of like goes both ways. Where it's like, you know, like so when and how I relate that back to like being open. It was like you know, so, so if someone like gives me feedback of like, hey, like that wasn't cool. Yeah. Then like I'm able to like look at myself critically and be like was that cool? Yeah. Was that really not cool? Mm-hmm. And just like, really be able to like, judge myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like when you get criticism, like just check it, check yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, okay, so just to end this time on a happy note, I thought of one more thing, um, but that is to, like, on, on the on the front end of things, like we, I think all, all three of us talked about like, how to call each other about like, the toxic side of things, but on the other end of like, feeling emasculated by the media, I think there's one thing we can do I mean, we can hype each other up a little bit more. <laughs> like, ah, that's one I saw. No, just like, I'm like, yo, you look good today. You look good today, man. Like, we can hype you each other. ugly. You definitely <laughs> ugly. Get out of my. No, body. we should. We should. I mean, we should hype each other up, man. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, yeah I think true. that there's true. a way for us to, like, social media will always have its influence, say, with yeah. the media itself. But like, if your media circle, like, you know what? You know one thing that actually that really sticks out to me. Uh, I forget which article I read it. It probably was a BuzzFeed article, but like. Like, like around guys' secrets, but like, guys don't get compliments that often, right? I think in general, like, whether it's not like an Asian thing, but I think just guys in general, yeah. And I feel like when you do it, it's like a big deal, like, you just it. Okay, I'll give you an example if you go to like any girl's Instagram who like posts a selfie of herself, it's like all her friends are like, oh my god, That's gorgeous, true. like, That's hard true. eyes, yeah. like, you're beautiful, whatever. That's Guy true. posts himself a selfie, like, yo, you ugly, dude, <laughs> like, it's always that sort of like. <laughs> You know, yeah, I did that on you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're like, your arm looks hella pasty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I mean, I don't know. We should, we should hype each other up, man. We, we should remind each other that like we're, I mean, we could be sex symbols too, man. If, if, uh, if you want to be a sex symbol. You want to be a sex symbol? I don't, I don't. I'll watch it tell. No, 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 no. Can, but I think we can hype each other up, man. I think it, it, it's a. No, 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 no yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing your thoughts on Asian masculinity as a whole, both in how you feel it's portrayed in the media as well as some of the toxic traits. Uh, but let's end this episode with our usual fashion, the rapid fire question. All right, ending our first episode of season two off in our normal fashion with our rapid fire questions. I'm gonna go real fast, but I will probably, we'll probably slow it down because we always do. But all right, 
You're getting cast in a movie. Do you want to be the Asian romantic lead or the Asian superhero? My first gut reaction was like Asian superhero. Uh-huh. And then I was just like, or like, what would it be like? An Asian like romantic lead? Yeah. I mean, there, there was that one movie with Harry Shum Jr. recently where like he marries a white girl and then he dies of cancer, I think, right? Who? <laughs> anyway, uh, what about you, Daniel? <laughs> All right, I got to go romantic lead and I'll tell you why. The new, not so new, video of Doja Cat's Kiss Me More. <laughs> the video. And the, the Asian dude. The, yeah, yeah, the Asian dude. He's the lead. And I was like, oh, that's fucking sick. No, I wanted that to be me. Awesome. Well, I guess we're three for three because I would all say Asian romantically. <laughs> no, but then I, I think it would be cool. Oh, I guess it's like, it would be cool to be like, you know, a superhero. Yeah. But anyways, maybe more. Gut reaction is dope. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. If you were an Asian typecast, uh, which one would you stereotype yourself in? For example, are you the party Asian, the yuppie Asian, the gym bro Asian, the dancer? What is the yuppie Asian? Uh, yuppie is uh, is young, uh, I think, a yuppie is like a young, young professional. Oh. It's like, okay, the best way to describe it is like, fuck, it's literally me. Like, <laughs> that's, I think the best way to describe it. It's like, it's like, they wear, they wear collared shirts, Patagonia vests, and like, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Are you like the starving artist? Are you the gym bro? Doug, are you the gym bro? Yeah, I'd probably try to be the gym bro. Even though I'm like not super fit in general, but... Don't lie. A man can, a man can dream. <laughs> are, you the, are, you the, are you the... What are you, Dan? Are you the nerdy Asian? Are you the... Ah, uh, fuck. I think I want to be the dancing bro. Dancing, dancing bro, dancing Asian? What did mm-hmm. you say? Yeah, yeah I, said, I said like the dancer. Like yeah, the dancing I, Asian I would want to be the... Um, all right, moving on. Uh, would you rather have six-pack abs or perfect skin? Six-pack abs. 100% six-pack abs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I was like, with BTS and everything, I was like, maybe people want perfect skin. No, nah, I want six-pack abs. Funny story. It wasn't until I started dating my girlfriend that not all lotions are, are the same. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I feel it. I feel it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she would, like, give me shit because, like, I would... W- I mean, like, you know, growing up, you know, I just use whatever's at home, right? Yeah. But then yeah, the exactly. lotion that I would use after a shower, and I shower at night... Has SPF in it, and oh. that's just what I used. Yeah, 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 it yeah, was yeah, there, and I'm yeah. just, and I'm not, and I never really cared enough to like go out and buy it. And then, and then she got mad at me for using it because it has SPF, <laughs> and she's like, "You don't wear SPF at night." At night, I've done the same thing. Yeah, I was just like, oh, I don't know, I'm just like, this is what's there. And then I started using, um, like this brand called like Cetaphil or something. Uh, like that. Yeah, 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 and then uh, Cerave. Yeah. And then, so I did Cetaphil. And then I ran out of Cetaphil, and then I got Cerave because like that was like it was on sale. Yeah. Um, and then sense. I use that. It's Yeah. But then I was just like, dude, Cerave feels gross compared to Cetaphil. Does it? Oh. Yeah. yeah I was just like, I I don't think I've ever like really noticed until oh. I started using uh, like nicer lotion. Fair enough. Cool. Uh, who is your Asian male man crush, if you have one? I would say. All right. I don't know if you guys even know this guy, uh-huh. but. The, I would say, like, Frank Yang. Mm. Um, it was funny, because, like, I followed him I, I followed him for, like, a pretty long time. Yeah. And he was, like, this, like... He was, like, he was like this, like, bodybuilder. Oh, okay. But he wasn't, like... But he wasn't, like... See, this is why he's the gym bro. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> like, but he's very, like, um, philosophical now. Uh. I mean, he, like, he... If you just watch his YouTube videos, his YouTube videos are like all over the place. Yeah. Um, but he used to have this like very um, conceited look about life. And then as he kind of like progressed and evolved, 
it just became like a lot more like philosophical and then i mean he's still like very buff yeah yeah, yeah. but he's just yeah like it was just like "Ah, i don't know how to explain it like yeah you have to like you have to like know him if you follow him on instagram like a lot of his posts are just like walls of text with like hit the people that follow him right like he'll he has like these very like existential like quest conversations with like like the people that what's, it, what's his name <laughs> frank yang frank yang yeah if you like yeah was ross butler who you said earlier yes that's he's, a handsome man yeah <laughs> <laughs> if i'm being honest he yeah. got he got like nice hair he's got like the build and he's got the the, the height it's a good looking man. Yeah, I mean, he literally has like the the white dude build of yeah, like, just like kind of like buff, tall, yeah, kind of thing. But like also just like perfectly coiffed hair. Yeah, give that man more roles. Let yeah, me tell you. I mean, he's in a lot. He's in that. He was in Riverdale. Um, I never seen. You watch that? Was he? Uh, good yeah, thing Riverdale. Yeah, uh, but he's in a lot of stuff. Um, mine is probably Harry Shum Jr. Uh, I know I mentioned him earlier, uh, but it's because he I mean, he was. I followed him when he was a dancer for um, on like. League of Extraordinary oh, Dancers yeah, yeah. with like John Chu and stuff like that. And he was in like the, the, the last credit scene of like Crazy Rich Asians and stuff like that. But like, good looking dude, dope dancer. If I were to have like a close second, it's Manny Jacinto. Do you know who he is? Yo, have any of you guys watched The Good Place? No. Okay. Uh, Manny Jacinto. Uh, yeah, he's a Filipino dude, also a dope dancer. Um, he was in The Good Place, super funny in The Good Place, but also just like that jawline could cut glass. You know what I mean? Like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you can. Yeah. That's, that's yes, could. Say it might yes, have another Asian male man crush. <laughs> it's like, as Han was mentioning these people, both me and Doug are frantically like, who's Harry Shum? Uh, all right. All right. Cool. This is a uh, last question. And this is actually kind of a preview to an upcoming episode by Doug. But what is the Asian male stereotype that offends you the most? I guess we all have the same answer, but I'm just gonna, I gotta ask it. I was gonna say, like, being nerdy. Oh. Because, like, to me, like, I'm not very nerdy. I'm, like, you know, like, I, you know, I wasn't the greatest student. Like, yeah, let's just leave it at that. Maybe I'll, like, touch on it, like, in a future episode. But, yeah, yeah like, the you know. The whole nerdy stereotype? Yeah, you know, like, I wasn't, like, the smartest kid, the sharpest tool in the box. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and I think, like, and then when people see me, I mean, maybe it's, like, an advantageous for my professional career, but at the same time, like, I don't know if that, like, sets me up for, like, unrealistic, like, uh, unrealistic expectations, but at the same time, like, I just, yeah, I just don't like the fact that, like, we're all portrayed as, like, being extremely smart, like, in math. You know, I failed a lot of math classes. <laughs> Fair enough. Multivariable calc. Your pain? And the, multivariable <laughs> calc is, like, the seen? hardest thing I've ever taken. Oh, yeah. I passed that, but, I mean, whatever. Yeah, all right, all right. right. See, this is why he's the nerd. This is literally perfectly lining up. Jim bro, it all works out. What was the question again? Uh, What Asian stereotype, Asian male stereotype offends you the most? Marrying an Asian female. What? Really? If you you love someone who is not an Asian, just just go for it, dude. I feel like the stereotype, I mean, the stereotype that annoys me the most for definitely is like the small penis joke. Like, it's, it's just so, oh, it's so overplayed. It's all the time. It's like, I mean, literally, like, I've had questions, like, or, like, side comments about it, even my whole life, like, even through, like, high school, which is crazy. Oh. I know, but that, that's just, so you're going to say, like, professionally? I was about to be like, no, 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 no,
have not personally experienced that per- particular joke a lot, but I obviously like know of its existence. Yeah. Of, of, its, its, yeah. of its existence. Right. Yeah. right. And I think that just kind of stems back to like where we grew up versus like where you grew up. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Which yeah. is super interesting because you're no less than like yeah. 30 to 40 minutes of North, yeah. kind of, of And, and it's such up. a different dynamic that you yeah. would get like such a frequency of those jokes yeah. as opposed to me and Doug. It's pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah crazy, for sure. Crazy. All right, guys. Thank you again for all your answers in Rapid Fire. This was not rapid at all, as it typically goes. But thank you, our listeners, too, for tuning in for Season 2. We got some great content coming up for y'all. We got some really cool episodes, so please stay tuned, and we'll see you in the next one. Deuces. Season 2! Reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at 3AD Podcast. We know how precious time is these days, so we want to thank you for spending some of your time with us. As you go on into tomorrow, go on unapologetically, go on as a positive force, and most importantly, go on with your bad self.